Well, Merry Christmas. So good to see you today. The reason that this night is so special to us is because it is the first time in the season that we've been still. There's something about the Christmas season that just increases the pace of life. Malls are crowded, the airports are busy, traffic is bad. We have parties and cards and shopping and eating. And you can even tell by the music that we listen to. 150 years ago, the kind of songs that they wrote at Christmas were silent nights. All is still. Sleep in heavenly peace. And today the Christmas songs they write are rocking around the Christmas tree. And grandma got run over by a reindeer. It's just the reality of life, isn't it? Well, a couple weeks ago, Darla and I, we were at Costco. We were doing some Christmas shopping. And if you ever go to Costco, you buy four items. It's 200 bucks. It's just the way it is. So we make our way with our four items to, to go check out. And if you're like me, you are obsessed with trying to find the line that is the fastest. And if you're really good, you don't just count the number of people in line. You count the number of items in each basket. Well, I had made my calculation and I got into a line, but then I mentally memorized where I would have been in the other line that I was considering. Well, at this point, I'm trying to pressure everybody ahead of me, you know, someone, we need to move, we need to move. Well, I just chose wrong. The lady in front of me, she had a problem with some rebate check, and then they wanted to count the whole cash register drawer. And I'm watching because the guy who would have been me checked out. And then the guy behind him, and the guy behind him, and the guy behind him, and I'm about to crawl out of my skin. I said to Darla, we lost by four people. (laughs) And she said, would you just relax? We have nowhere to be. It's just that time of year. For my family, it starts about a week before Christmas. Friday was Darla's birthday. And then on Tuesday, it was our 30th anniversary. Yesterday was my daughter's birthday. And then we have six Christmas services and then Christmas, and I'll bet you can relate in your own life as well. And the reason that Christmas Eve is so special, it's the first time in the season that we can just take a deep breath and be still. See, here's what I found, is that we don't discover God in the chaos, we only discover God when it is still. And as this theme for this Christmas service began to come together, there was a couple stories that came to my mind as I started thinking about the life of Jesus. The first is the Christmas story. Now, we romanticize the story of Mary and Joseph, but it really wasn't that romantic. Mary is nine months pregnant, traveling to Bethlehem. We figure that she's probably on a donkey because we can't imagine her walking the 70 miles it would have been to get there. And riding on a donkey, nine months pregnant, she probably felt every single step. And on top of that, it started out with this huge scandal. Mary comes to Joseph and says, I have good news, not bad news. The bad news is I'm pregnant, and we both know it's not yours. But the good news is I'm a virgin. It's a Christmas miracle. And for Joseph, he's trying to wrestle with what seems like betrayal. Until an angel comes to him and says, it is true, it's just as she's told you. This is from God. And then they get to Bethlehem, 
And Mary begins to go into labor. And can you imagine the panic as they cannot find a guest room? There's no rooms available. The census has been taken. All of these crowds have come in for this. And they can't find anywhere. And the contractions are getting closer and closer together. And maybe somebody who was just trying to be kind says, I don't have a room, but I've got a stable. And so Joseph trying to clear out one of the stalls of the stable so Mary can lay down and, and have the baby, and this is where the Son of God is born. And a couple days later, they go to the temple to dedicate Jesus, and they take what it said, they take two doves for the dedication. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but that's what the poorest of the poor would bring for a baby dedication. And the first Christmas, it is full of relational stress and emotional stress and financial stress. But it's in the stillness that God reveals himself. Look at the story. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now the shepherds were the lowest of the occupations. That They lived with animals. They smelled like animals. And so they were considered social outcasts. But on top of that, they were considered spiritual outcasts as well. Because they took care of animals, they were considered unclean, so they couldn't go to the temple to do any kind of worship there. And the irony is, is that God made the first announcement of the arrival of his son to the outcasts. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. This phrase, good news, is where we get the word gospel. Gospel actually means the good story. That the angels could have said that we've come to bring you a good story. That it's going to cause great joy for all the people. Not just the shepherds and not just the Jewish people and not just people in that era. It is for everybody, good news for everybody. And let me just stop here for a minute. Because if there is anything about the message of Christianity that does not strike you as good news, then perhaps somewhere along the way we've done a bad job at representing Jesus. Because if someone comes to you and they go, I have good news, you don't in your mind begin to make a list of all the things that you have to give up and all the things that you have to do because it's good news. Well, the angel goes on and says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So just think about this scene. The shepherds are in this field. It's night. It's dark. And an angel appears. Of course, they would be terrified. You would be too if an angel appeared out of nowhere. And then all of these angels come and they begin to sing glory to God. And just as quickly as they came, they're gone. And it's in the stillness of that moment that the shepherds say, who is this baby? Let's go check it out. 
Let's go investigate it for ourselves, which is what I am hoping that the stillness of tonight does for some of you. That you will ask the question, who is this? Listen, God is not offended when you seek the truth about Jesus. But there is another story. So we had this theme of still that I just couldn't get out of my mind. It's when Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee was a sea. There's a lot of cool things that happened here. Right on the shores of the Sea of Galilee is where Jesus fed the 5,000. This is where Peter and John had their fishing business at the Sea of Galilee. It's where Jesus walked on the water. And in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, it says, That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Well, the crowds were so large that oftentimes Jesus would get into the boat so he could be separated from the crowd and the water would act as an amplifier. It says that they took him just as he was, that if Jesus got out of the boat, he was not getting back in because the crowds were too big. There was too many people who wanted access to Jesus. Well, the Sea of Galilee is about 680 feet below sea level. It's surrounded by mountains. And so as the wind comes over the mountains, as the cool air hits the hot air, there would be storms that would come out of nowhere. It says, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. This word squall in the Greek, it's the root word where we get the word hurricane. So this must have been some big storm. And they're in a fishing boat. They have 13 guys in this boat. It's at capacity. It's swamped. They cannot bail fast enough. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this before. I was in a boat once when I was a youth pastor. I took our high school students to Catalina Island every year. We would do a retreat over there. And one year we get into the boat for a two-hour cruise. And the weather started getting rough. And that tiny ship was tossed I think I'm getting my stories all mixed up here. It was dark and the wind was blowing. The waves started coming up over the side of the boat. We about a half the kids who were all getting sick and I'm getting pretty scared at this point. I don't know what this is all going to turn out, if this is going to be okay. Well, one of my leaders was a seasoned sailor and I wanted to know if he was scared. And so I just said, are we okay? And he looks at me and he says, this is not a big deal. We're just fine. Well, this must have been some kind of storm with the disciples because they're scared to death. Not only were they used to being in boats, but a lot of them were fishermen, so they were often in storms and in rough waters. It says Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? This is the only time recorded in Scripture of Jesus sleeping. He's probably exhausted from the day. He's been teaching all day long, ministering to the people who have needs. And he uses one of the seat cushions to sleep on. And the disciples interpret this as him not caring. Don't you care if we drown? Let's be honest. When you're going through storms in your own life, don't you have those same questions for God? God, don't you care? God, why would you allow this to happen to me. Well, it says that he got up. Now, I don't know what you're like when you get woken up from a dead sleep, 
My kids always knew that if they came into our bedroom at night, they would go and they would wake up their mom and make sure they didn't wake up me. And I don't know what that means about me when I get woken up. So as Jesus got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Or maybe you know this as peace, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. See, when the storm is gone, in the stillness of the night, they ask the question, who is this? And I think this is the most important question you will ever ask. Who is this man? Who is this man? See, some of you, you're in a storm right now. You're in a relational storm. You're in a financial storm. You're in an emotional storm. And the only questions that you can ask are, God, don't you care? Don't you care? But see, it's the stillness that we begin to ask a different question. Who is this? It's in the stillness of Christmas that the shepherds say, who is this baby? And the disciples say, who is this man? See, that is the question for Christmas. And every major religion has an opinion about who Jesus is. See, a lot of the major world religions will say Jesus was a prophet or he was a good teacher, or he was a miracle worker. Well, Christianity is not confused about who Jesus is. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life, and he died on a cross for you and for me. Who is this man? See, we want to help you answer that question this year. We're starting a brand new series in January and we're just going to walk through the life of Jesus. We're going to look at this gospel, the gospel of Mark. And from January till Easter, we're just going to unpack his life because we think that this is the greatest life that can impact your life. You probably have a nativity set around your house. You know, maybe you have certain ones that are set up. There is a brand new nativity set that came out this year. It's called the hipster nativity. I don't know if you saw this or not. See, Mary and Joseph are taking a selfie with Jesus. Then you have the wise men. They bring their gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They got them from Amazon, bring them on a Segway. And, of course, the cows are eating gluten-free feed there because that's the hipster kind of Christmas. Well, I actually collect nativity sets. Now, whenever I go to a foreign country, the one souvenir that I try to buy is a nativity set from that country. This one right here is from Ecuador. I love this because you see Joseph has the sombrero on. I got this one from, from Colombia. This one right here I got from Bethlehem. It's pretty cool to have a nativity that actually came and was made in Bethlehem. One of our guys on staff, Tyler, one of our residents, just got back from Haiti, and, and he brought back this. I love this nativity because the stable, it's a, it's a hut. And Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, they're Haitian. See, it's the reason I love these nativities, because each culture begins to create the nativity in the way that they see it. And I think that is the point of Christmas. See, I think that's the message of Christmas, that Jesus came for you into your world, and he can relate to your life. 
Look at the scripture that the angel said. Again, it says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. See, Jesus is personal. Jesus knows exactly what you're going through, and a Savior has come for you. And maybe in the stillness of Christmas, maybe you're ready to ask the question, who is this man? And maybe you're ready to embrace Jesus as your Savior. Some of you, you've come in here tonight and you are in the middle of a storm. And when the winds begin to blow in to your life, you can choose panic or worry or fear or anger or blame. Or you can let Jesus step into your life and say, peace, be still. So I wonder what the difference would be if you allowed the peace of Jesus to come into your life. See, for some of you, you're not a follower of Jesus yet, but you're ready. And I want to give you an opportunity to take a step of faith tonight to start a relationship with Jesus. It starts with surrendering your life to Jesus, transferring your trust from yourself to Jesus. See, Jesus could force his way into your life, but he doesn't do that. He waits for you to invite him in. Jesus says, I stand at the door of your life and I knock and I wait for you to open up the door. And I want to give the opportunity for some of you to open up that door tonight and to start a relationship with Jesus. We're also going to be doing baptisms after the service. Some of you have never been baptized. That baptism is the next step for a follower of Jesus. Baptism is like the wedding ceremony for a believer. So you can date someone for a long time, but when you get married, you're saying, till death do us part, I'm in this relationship. That's what baptism is for, for followers of Christ, saying, God, I'm in this. Till death do us part. And what baptism represents represents dying to your old sins, that your old life is washed away. And you have brand new life in Jesus. We're going to be doing baptisms over here after the service. We've had about 30 people who've been baptized so far over these past couple days. And what better day than as we are celebrating the birth of Jesus for you to remember for the rest of your life that you started new life in Christ. You can do that today and say, I I wish I would have known. We've prepared everything for you. We have shirts. We have swimming trunks. We have towels. Everything is here for you. So I want to give the opportunity for some of you to start a relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And you're not saved by a prayer. You're saved by Jesus. A couple days ago, there was a couple of us who prayed over every single seat in this room. We prayed over you because we knew you would be sitting in these seats and we knew there would be people who would be ready to start a relationship with Jesus. So maybe you're ready. I just want to ask you just to bow your heads and if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, just just repeat after me. You just do this silently, just between you and God. Say, God, tonight I surrender my life to Jesus. 
I am receiving Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Asking that you would forgive my sins and bring me brand new life. God, collectively, that's what we're doing. We are surrendering to the King of Kings all over again. God, we thank you that this baby in a manger grew up to be a man who died on a cross for us. God, so we pledge our lives and we surrender our lives to him. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.